Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The home of endurance racing, RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome along to Mobile One Radio Le Mans 91.2 FM around the circuit and around the world at RadioLeMans.com 2015. I'm John Hindoff and this is our look at the LMP2 field. Often it is the most numerous and again this year with 19 entries into a class that's full of variety. Big changes for LMP2 coming in the future that will take that variety away and potentially a lot of these entries as well but that's not for now that's for another day let's look at what we do have this year in the company of the editor of dailysportscar.com graham goodwin and this moment lane reporter Shay adam hello lady hello gentlemen hello john hello graham Hello, Shay. Hello, John, and hello, everybody. Ah, it's just like the Waltons, isn't it? Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, Graham, let's uh, let's start with the nineteen cars that we've got here. Um, a tyre war, a genuine tyre war in LMP2 with Michelin uh, and Dunlop. Um, the most runners are on Dunlop, uh, but Michelin have got four cars uh, in the entry spread uh, uh, throughout the field. In terms of chassis manufacturers, well, there's there's an interesting mix in terms of entries with different engines. Well, Nissan, once again, are the major supplier. But enough variety, do you think, to keep things the way they are? Or we're expecting to, in fact, we know there's only going to be four chassis manufacturers and a single engine in the future. Is that the right way to keep this category healthy? Um. I'm about as thoroughly unconvinced as I possibly could be, John. I'm, I'm tempted to use my wrong, wrongity, wrong um, uh, phrase here. I, I think that what we need is for them to explain what the re- reasoning is here. It seems to be an answer here. to a question that's not been asked. And when you look at, at 19 entries here at Le Mans, yeah. the mainstay of yeah. the Le Mans entry coming from championships from Asia, from... Uh, the Americas from the World Endurance Championship and indeed from the European Championship, a fantastic mix of teams and drivers um, who haven't been consulted, of course. Uh, no, and I think that's the point. It's not only a question that doesn't appear to have been asked, it's a question that has been asked and hasn't been answered. Mm. And that, that possibly from, from my pr- professional kind of perspective, it makes it rather worse uh, because you know, there has been a degree of finger-pointing at uh, people criticising this. Well, you know... If someone criticises you, you tend to give them an answer as to why they're wrong. And I've not heard that yet, but uh, I fear we are going down that road. Uh, We now know that a um, large number of manufacturers are involved in in the first stage of the process to start with. I fear that when we get to stage two, it won't be quite as straightforward as the powers that be are hoping it's going to be. But 
we love variety. It's three engine manufacturers on this grid. I mean, is it what, six, seven um, different chassis manufacturers, two of which have got two different chassis uh, in it, the Orica with their new coupe and uh, the older open car and Enroque with the well, Ligier coupe I, and the Morgan in two different forms, by the way. I, I think yeah. what we should say here straight away, Graham, is this is as open a category as it can be for non-works team. Yes, it's LMP, so Le Mans prototype. The whole essence of the word prototype is that you should really only have to build one. Now, it was recognised a few years ago that that could get very expensive and a bit silly. So cost-capping measures were introduced by the FIA and the uh, ACO, the people who look after Le Mans and the sporting regulations for the major sports car championships around the world. And lo and behold, and in a shock to many people, I think not least the teams, cost-capping actually cost capped and saved them money and and what we have got is a good variety people able to make choices and really in terms of variety something that's not seen anywhere else on the grid um in in terms of uh, the way guys can go racing and make the choices to go racing most of the chassis can take a number of different engine configurations nissan have uh, proved to be the most popular uh, engine in the last few years, and and so they are this year, although not with quite the domination we've seen in previous years. And these engines are based on road engines, on stock engines. Uh, it's sometime in their past, which keeps costs and down and reliability up. Uh, changes would see that become a single bespoke race engine. I, I I don't see it. However, let's not get tied up too much in that right now, and let's celebrate what we've got for 2015. The nice thing is about this year that it brings people in from all around the world, and of course, the the first ones on the list, 26, 27, uh, and 28, are G Drive, SMP, and G Drive, um, all under the Russian banner. And Sam Bird in with the guys at G-Drive with uh, Roman Rusinov and Julian Canal. Uh, their teammates uh, in, in the 28 car, Gustavo Yakiman, Pippo Durrani, who we like a lot, who's a, a coming star, and Ricardo Gonzalez. Well, Gustavo Yakiman and Ricardo Gonzalez have been playing their trade in the American series for, for quite some time. They have Ricardo Gonzalez, a former PC champion in the ALMS. And don't forget, he won this race a few years back in the P2 class. He's somebody to keep an eye on. Gustavo has been driving P2 cars now for a while in the uh, American scene, most recently in Tudor with Oak Racing, uh, related to G-Drive. And watch them, because we all know that all three guys in that car are fast. Ignore the driver ratings. Those three guys are going to be fast. You know it. And in the other car as well, Sam Bird, Julian Canal, three-time winner of the race, Roman Rusnov. Again, how do you expect to come in and beat them unless you have a very, very strong lineup? They're using the Legia GSP2. This is the uh, this is the coupe car with the Nissan engine. SMP with a 27 and indeed the 37 car, Graham, with their own chassis. This is new. Maurizio Mediani, David Markazov, Nick Manassian, names to country with there, uh, Mikhail Aleshin, uh, uh, Kirill Ladigan and Anton Ladigan, the two brothers who we've seen in world touring cars uh, of late, although they've seemed to have committed their uh, longer-term future to sports car racing. 
And the very essence of this open competition is this BR Engineering BR01 with the uh, Nissan engine. It is uh, designed by Pollock and Tony, who did the Peugeot 908. Uh, of course, this is one of the cars, though, on the the grid that uh, allegedly is part of the reason why the new regulations is coming. They don't want teams building cars for themselves and allegedly not offering them on the open market. As you might well imagine, S&P Racing and BR Engineering say that ain't so and are putting in a bid to be one of those four chassis manufacturers. A bit early for this car, a little uh, late start to the season. Um, it has raced. It raced at uh, Imola. Uh, was a little off the pace, the off the ultimate pace uh, at the Le Mans test day. Um, but it's an interesting project, and there's some very handy race drivers and development drivers in amongst the six you just mentioned, John. So uh, I think it's a good thing we've got you know a new chassis manufacturer with a Russian badge on it. Um, I think it's the kind of thing we should be welcoming in and making sure as best you possibly can, that they do deliver on the commercial promises. But uh, they're here. Two new cars. What's not to like? It's, by the way, before I forget, it is nine um, different chassis or wow. derivation, uh, derivatives of those chassis, yeah. um, including one that is simply a different badge on the front in the Alpine, but it is nine from five different manufacturers. That's quite remarkable, isn't it? Um, as with the ARM category of GT. Uh, you need you can't have a, a full uh, uh, pro lineup here. You need drivers that come from the silver and bronze category. And again, there's restrictions on how long pro drivers can drive and how much time the other drivers has to do. And of course, a reminder again that this is part of the World Endurance Championship. So round about. Uh, a half, just over a half of the entries here are scoring points in the World Endurance Championship and scoring double points in the FIA World Endurance Championship as well. The 29 car is German-ended uh, and... By the way, we should mention SMP are on Michelin, G-Drive are on Dunlop, Pegasus Racing with their Morgan LMP2 Nissan for Leo Roussel, Ho Ping Tung and David Cheng. Uh, it to... should be a French entered car, John, um, the number 29 car. Yes, I thought... I'm very much mistaken. I thought that as well. I was, uh, You're the... right, it is shown on the list that we have here as German, but uh, no, it's Julian Schell and his father that run this uh, this. Uh, car. Uh, notable, by the way, as the first team that actually brought in a current spec LMP2 to race at the Le Mans 24 hours some years ago with the Norma. Correct. Uh, the very first team to do it. They've been uh, away for a little wee while, but um, very much more one of the more um, clubby, if you like, efforts, but no bad thing. Um, it's a very friendly team. They've run, I think, convincingly well in the uh, European Le Mans series with this car. This is, by the way, not the Evo version of the Morgan. The, the, and that, you know, might well give them a slight performance disadvantage. But what it is, is a chassis, uh, a design of chassis that has won this race before. Mm. Uh, so should be reliable. That one, of course, in the hands of Oak Racing, who scored a 1-2 on the way to the LMP2 uh, World Championship a couple of years ago. But um, Leo Rissell, uh, quick young man in that mm. car. And uh, I think a coming man. Michelin tyres, by the way, for mm -hmm. this team after they um, did back-to-back -back testing at the test day 
in Paul Ricard. And then we have a couple of Chinese drivers, John. Yeah, Ho Ping Tung should be known to everyone who listens to Midweek Motorsport. Um, we started following him on the basis of his name only about three or four years ago. And he has progressed nicely through single-seater uh, ranks and he's now making himself, carving himself a decent career out as a potential endurance racing driver. And... Well, David Cheng, uh, Graham, possibly slightly less well-known by the audience. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, long-standing sports car and GT driver, um, by, by far from the slowest gentleman driver on this grid. Uh, the regulations, by the way, in P2, slightly different from GTM. You have to have at least one gentleman driver in this class as opposed to two. Two in, in GTM, the, in which GTM. I always get the wrong way around, so uh, I know but, I'll do that again. Uh, but, the, but, you know, this is a team... They may not be on the fashionable list of potential um, finishers and or podium finishers, but don't count them out. If they can run this, this car clean, there is nothing about that setup that suggests that they're capable of anything less than a finish. Uh, the next four cars on the list in numerical order, which are 30, 31, 34 and 35, are all Ligier Coupés, uh, although not all with the same engines, although one of them is from the same equipe, uh, or two of them are from the same keep with different engines. Uh, let's start, first of all, with the Leisure GS Hondas uh, for Extreme Speed Motorsports. These guys uh, from the World Endurance Championship are very much uh, a US-based and flagged team and with a predominantly US-led driver lineup, one Brit and a Dane uh, in amongst the four other Americans and a big commitment here to extreme speed motorsports. This is Scott Sharp and Ed Brown, the cars that we normally see in Patron colours, sporting a new livery for Le Mans because of alcohol regulations in France. They'll be carrying a slightly different livery with the Rolling Stone magazine branding on it. These guys have made a huge commitment this year. They're still running some of the, they have been running some of the longer races. They've also had some issues with cars this year, because this is not the car they expected to be at Le Mans with. No, it's not. If you talked to them back in January, they would have thought that they had their whole program set up at Daytona. They turned up with one car. Sebring was a completely different one, one that was tried and tested, one that they knew very well. And then they come over to Silverstone and Spa with a different car for each race. They've done, what, four cars in the first four races? It's And we should explain they were expecting to run the HP, the new HPD, the Honda Performance Development, based out of Santa Clarita in California in the US. They were expecting to run that new coupe. It didn't have the pace at Daytona. They did a back-to-back test at Sebring with their old open-top car and decided to run the open-top HPD at Sebring and subsequently then parked the project with HPD, although have held on to the engine side of things and basically took the chance and ordered two brand new Leisures, which was really very brave indeed. It was, but that's the sort of thing you expect from this team. They were very grateful to Honda and HPD working with them through this whole process, and they've been more than accommodating through it because when you have something that's not going quite your way, normally people would say, nope, sorry, you bought it, your problem. HPD has been beyond great, and that's part of the reason they've decided to stick with Hondas. And It's it's shown through their work just how far they've been able to come, and the podium that they got at Silverstone that was later rescinded 
that was earned yeah. from those guys, though. They they pushed very, very hard. And Scott Sharp is very well known. You look at his list of accomplishments, and it's ridiculous. He's a Trans Am champion. He's been a pole sitter on the Indy 500. He hasn't been to Le Mans since 1996. So it's been quite a while. Good thing he's driving with two guys who have won the race in class recently. Dial was in 2012 in P2, and David was uh, last year with the Dane train. We had Hennemeyer Hansen. But the other car... That's the one that we need to keep an eye on. Ed Brown is going to be the amateur driver in that car, if you will. Johannes Van Overbeck making his return to Le Mans. He has not been here in a few years either, and the last time he was, it was in the GT class. Now, Johannes had not driven a prototype car before last year in testing when they first got their open-top coupe. That was his debut in uh, 2013, excuse me. That was his debut. He is still adapting to the car. And Johannes, a very, very skilled driver. Look for him to be fast. John Fogarty may not be a very well-known name for people around the world. Two-time DP champion in the Grand Am series. These guys are good. If Ed can keep it on the track and just put in his times that he needs to hit, that could be a sleeper. Yeah, and you feel for them um, because of their trials and tribulations at the start of the season. It would be a bit of a fairy story if they pulled the big one uh, out of the bag. A a similar car for the number 34 team, Graham Oak Racing. uh, Canadian Chris Cumming, Lauren Vantour and Kevin Estre, which I think are three Le Mans rookies in the same car. Now, Kevin Estre got away with not doing the test day because he's a platinum driver, although he's not driven a P car at Le Mans uh, uh, before, rather, and obviously he's never raced at Le Mans in the 24 hours before. He's got some experience of the track in uh, Carrera Cup because he no. raced there a, 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 a couple of times there in either the French series or the the cup uh, the cup that was part of the support package. Lauren Vanto we know from GT Racing as well, very steady pair of hands normally, very quick man, good on the Norge lifer. Chris Cumming has done a lot of things uh, in the US as well. Uh, it's an interesting one this one because it's a big step. It would look to be a big step up for all the guys, but. We have seen GT drivers make that step before, and Oak Racing know how to get a car home. They most certainly do, and I think uh, both Lawrence Ventura and Kevin Estre uh, are on an awful lot of people's list for perhaps being on the next wish list of any number of factory P1 teams, in the same way that Rene Rast has stepped up. Yeah, uh, I think Lawrence Ventura will have been disappointed not to, get the, uh, not to have got that call. Uh, Ventura is certainly a star, absolutely uh, the master of his craft in GT3 racing. Kevin Estre, well, very similarly, uh, McLaren factory GT driver, of course, winning races in the United States this year and uh, racing all around the world uh, at the moment at the wheel of not just McLarens, but of course we saw him in the factory Porsche GT efforts at Spa as a stand-in for the reshuffle that was required for running the third uh, Porsche P1 car. Um, If these guys can run clean... They're going to be very quick. Uh, this is not quite the same answer as I gave for Pegasus because I think we're going to see this one running at a rather quicker pace. They were lucky at the test day, uh, forced into an engine change after the engine ingested some unknown debris. Um, but if these guys can run, uh, you know, clean, I think this could could just be a contender for podium on pace, not attrition. We'll say this of many cars. Again, this is a class, and, and Le Mans, once again, it, we're looking at a class of 19, 
of which pretty much any one of the 19 could get on the podium and again half the field could win uh, the the race uh, rather more in this slew of four leash years that we've looked at the 30 and 31 from Ex- extreme speed motorsports the 34 from oak racing the second oak racing car the 35 car is in slightly a different position because Jacques Nicolet, Jean-Marc Merlin and Eric Maris three Frenchmen in a French entered car although with Dunlop tyres, not with the Michelin uh, option. They've got a Nissan engine behind them, Graham. And in in fairness, this is probably not the car that is going to set the stopwatches alight, is it? Uh, no, they're not going to be slow. Um, not going to be kind of uh, ridiculously off the pace. But this, uh, to remind listeners, I think uh, Shay might have been involved in the conversation uh, around this car at the test, uh, not the test, at scrutineering last year, where Jacques Nicolet told us he was looking to put together uh, an effort with himself and two other like-minded gentleman drivers to do a full season somewhere. It's turned out to be full season in the WEC. Remarkable. Absolutely, Eric Maurice and Jean-Marc Merlin. I think, aren't they the three that drove the art car? They are. Morgan? Yes. I think they were, weren't they? So, you know, these are good friends and good racing buddies of uh, Jacques Nicolet. So the one thing you can be assured of in that squad is it's going to be a very happy camp and there's going to be some very good lunches. Fair to say, though, share with Jacques, Jean-Marc and Eric, they... Uh, they are doing this for the experience, and I don't mean that because they're building experience for a career. They are doing this because they enjoy racing and they have the wherewithal to do it. None of these guys are quote-unquote career racing drivers, although Jacques Nicolet, of course, has made a career out of racing because he is uh, the principal driving force behind Oak Racing. Well, yes, it's it's very fair to say three bronze drivers, they know that they're not going to be able to compete on the same times as some of the Platinums that will be out there while inevitably a bronze driver is in their car. But these guys raced, well, Merlin and Mari drove in the uh, GTE AM class last year and a Porsche. They've now stepped it up to the P2. And who better to go with someone than Jacques Nicolet? If you want to do this with friends, do it the right way. And let's not forget, Jack Nicolier can do no wrong because he was at one of the consortium that when the legend, the Le Mans legend, but the legend uh, that, uh, well, I, I don't know even how you begin to describe the the thoughtfulness that Jacques and his partners uh, had when, uh, Graham, when the the whole situation um, with a famous French name at Le Mans went very, very wrong indeed. And and hen- handed Pescarolo, uh, which racing, back to Henri Pescarolo. And that was just a gesture that I will never, ever forget. And I don't care no. how many times we have to mention it. No, no, neither do I. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's perfectly right to, to reflect that this is, you know, that was an ultimate sporting gesture and, and retained... Um, the participation of a man that it, it must be a world record of uh, participation at various levels in this event for some 40 years uh, plus for Henri Pescarolo with one year um, exception 
uh, when they couldn't field the car. And, uh, yeah, I think he deserves a reparation for that one. And Jacques Nicolet, still an absolute pleasure in the paddock. Correct. Um, to talk to. Always got and a tail. And Madame Nicolet as well. Oh, Madame Nicolet as well. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, I think it's it's fair to say that Jack punching well above his weight there with Sylvie Nicolet. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's, you know, it is a delight. It's a hugely professional team. Um, in very many ways, I think has taken on the mantle as the French flag carrier yes. from Pescarolo, and rightly so, based, of course... In a in different way, Graham, in fairness, a in a different, different way, way, because it's he doesn't make any odds about the fact that that is not a contender for victory. They'll no. go out there and they'll take whatever result. They get to the end, there's going to be a party. Um, and and yeah, let's not forget as well that the car, the car carries another French, uh, famous French name, and that is Ligier, because Guy Ligier yes. now involved in that effort uh, with his name on the front of not only the P2 car, but the P3 car, which we will see on display at the Le Mans uh, 24 hours this year, and also on the nose of the CN cars that are on route build now. Okay. Um, in this first half of our look at the LMP2 field, we'll finish off with another uh, all French entry and another famous French racing name. This is the 36 Signatech Alpine, the Alpine 450B with the Nissan engine for Nelson Panciatici, Paul Loup Chatin, and Vincent Capillier. And, well, again, Graham, Alpine, a massive name throughout French and international motorsport, and at Le Mans as well. Let's not forget a rich history there with smaller engine cars uh, in the early years. Uh, of Le Mans and the index of thermal efficiency, etc., um, brought back to life with essentially a branding exercise. But Signatech Alpine, a, a team that knows how to win and knows how to win championships. They do. And, and of course, the overall win uh, with the A442B, is that right? Correct. Uh, back in the day. But uh, yeah, Signatech. Uh, at Le Mans, this, yes, sorry, yes. Absolutely. This, conti- this continuing relationship with the Alpine brand, three years in now. And uh, coming to the World Endurance Championship for a full season, coming back rather to the World Endurance Championship for a full season after uh, 2012 didn't go their way as under the Signatech uh, Nissan uh, brand. But uh, back as Signatech Alpine. This is an Orica 03R by any other name in fabulous Alpine blue. Um, and it's another one of those teams, John. It's a slightly older car, but uh, they come as European Le Mans Series champions, as I say, with no real weak links in the chain here. Nope. Um, Nelson Panciatici has been quick since we've seen him sit in a sports car. Chatin, um, you know, a newcomer um, a couple of years ago to the sports, was the, um, I'm trying to think of exactly the title he was given at the end of the LMS as the, uh, basically the star of the future mm. uh, there. This is a Capillaire uh, coming across from Sebastian Love Racing, and you know it really is uh, a golden triangle. This lot, I think the, these guys can do it on pace and reliability without a shadow of a doubt. They'll be there and thereabouts. Uh, they have been in the ELMS against some of the other teams we'll be talking about a little later on pace, and there's no reason to expect there'll be any different here. Paul Loopshat, and I think I'm right in saying, Shea, and, and you will know because you um, have these. Uh, these facts in your head. Was he a um, piece of, oh, Formula Le Mans champion at some stage or at least raced in the, the Formula Le Mans series in Europe? Champion in 2013. Oh, right. There you go. You see my... Uh... So, really, he is the poster boy, if you like, for coming through those other championships. He's He's clearly got downforce and prototype experience because those Formula Le Mans cars, the prototype challenge cars in the States, were P1 cars in the day. Oh yeah, no, he he's 
got a good feel not only for this car, but for the team as well, having raced with them last year. And I do believe they finished third last year. So they already know what it's like to be on the podium. They just want to get to the top step. Uh, you're listening to Mobile One Radio Le Mans, 91.2 FM, around the circuit and around the world at RadioLeMond.com. Shea Adam and Graham Goodwin with me, John Hindoff, as we look at the field of 2015 LMP2 cars. RadioLeMond.com the main event is the 24 Hours of Le Mans, but it doesn't last just 24. It's actually a whole week of things to do, including stuff that happens during the race, but it all kicks off with scrutineering, and Richard from Travel Destinations is here to uh, tell us a little bit about what else you can do besides that pesky little motor race that gets in the way of all this fun entertainment. So what do we start off with to kick off this week of excitement? Well, okay, so we start off the Sunday before. So we really are doing a full week of events here um, at Le Mans. So um, scrutineering, um, you might think, is probably one of the more boring parts of any motor race. Um, they disappear into that tent and nobody knows what happens no. in there. So, uh, and they pop out the other side. But actually at Le Mans, it's, it, it's, they're making it into a bit of a spectator sport. So this is the first time you're going to see the cars. You're going to see all the, you know, particularly this year, you're going to see the new Nissans. Um, everything's going to be there. You're going to see the the, diff, the multicolored Porsches. Um, you're going to see new driver lineups. And this is where the teams do their official f- photograph for mm-hmm. the for the, the week. So um, it's the first time you're going to speak to the drivers. The drivers are in pretty relaxed mood. Nothing's really got very serious at this point. So if you want to chat to the drivers, you want to speak to them, you want to get some autographs and things, um, it's it's a good time to go down. And if you're there for the week, um, then it's it's worthwhile popping down. This is all happening in Le Mans town itself. So it's not at the circuit. Um, so you're at the, the Place de Republique in the centre of town. Um, and it is, there will be crowds there. You know, there'll be locals going, coming in. Um, but we've always encouraged people going down to Le Mans to go as early as you can because there's always things going on. Um, plenty of people travel down and they'll only arrive on the Friday um, and they see the race and then they leave again. And in a way, that's missing a little bit about what Le Mans is all about. Um, the build-up to the race, the everything that happens in the week before... Um, it's a crescendo and and the actual race is only the peak Um, but before that there's all sorts of things going on so starting Sunday afternoon um, and that will go through into Monday then as well scrutineering because obviously they've got to get through all the teams every car of each team um, will be out there they'll do the the scrutineering and um, and their photographs and everything else so each team will have a set time um, and there will be a timetable come Le Mans weekend um, or Le Mans week of when each car will be there um, and it's worth going down worth having a look seeing something particularly if you've been to Le Mans before um, but you've never gone that early it's worth going down seeing a bit and um, just taking in a bit more of the atmosphere and seeing something new and don't panic if you're there to see the Nissan at say 12 o'clock and it's not there exactly at 12 sometimes scrutineering does run a little bit late but the cars will get there and everybody will get through I learned that the hard way yeah it's it's it has a knock-on effect doesn't it the first the first one's five minutes late by the by the afternoon it's 10 20 minutes late and then by the evening it's uh yeah hours um so <laughs> so yeah there, there is there is a there is a schedule but um it will be um it will be wrong by 
within an hour. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess it, nobody really knows how long a scrutineering session is going to take. So it, every car is different and um, those people in there know what they're doing. So they take their time over it. So, uh, so yeah, but it's, it's, that means that there are people around in a way that's a good thing. The car's taking a bit longer. That means there's drivers hanging around. There's mechanics hanging around. There's people you can talk to, get a bit of insider information. It's, it's great. So as I say, it's, it's apart from when the cars actually are in scrutineering, everything else is very relaxed. So mm-hmm. the timetable, the drivers, everybody is in good mood, good spirits. Um, so they're all hopeful. They're all, they're all, uh, their expectation, expectations are building. So it's a good time to talk to people there. So, um, so that's Sunday afternoon and all day on Monday. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get a chance to meet the drivers during scrutineering, there is also an autograph session, is there not? That's right. So from moving from um, Monday on to Tuesday, um, Tuesday um, at the circuit. So now we're moving back to the circuit and the pit lane. Um, between 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m., um, the drivers will all be present um, and those that um, collect autographs and um photos and everything else that's your opportunity so if you're desperate to meet Patrick Dempsey then he's going to be there so you know there'll be a long queue I'm sure I was going to say he's co-driving with Patrick Long who's also very popular and gets a long line and uh, if you are eager to meet uh, Brendan Hartley or Timo Bernard there'll be a long line at that table as well so uh Get there Be early. Prepared. Get yes. there. Get there early. Get in the queue. I think is probably the. But but I always feel sorry for the the teams where nobody's queuing. So mm-hmm. go and see those people. Actually, don't go. Don't go and see Patrick. Everybody knows what Patrick Dempsey looks like. Go and see somebody else. Go and see one of the GT cars and things. Because I always feel sorry for those guys that are sitting there with their autograph, their pens at the ready, and there's nobody there. So go and go and see those guys. Try and collect as many as you can. Um, uh, I, I know there's some um, guys um, from the Radio Le Mans a listener's part of the the collective who um went to sebring with a poster and got all um, scott's his name i'll I'll give him a name check scott buse so um (laughs) he collected all the autographs of all the drivers in that one race so there's your challenge um at le mans go down the whole line and get every single driver's autograph and if they've gone for their own personal pit stop then you have to get them some other time so uh, make sure you get those drivers and get everybody's autograph don't just go for Patrick's because I'm sure everybody's got Patrick Dempsey's autograph by now but that's not the only thing that's going on on Tuesday either so um, Tuesday um, in the village of Rodan um, which is just um, uh, a mile or so from the circuit they're having a bit of a gathering so what we're finding this year is there'll be more and more villages um, having their their gatherings encouraging people to come along have a few drinks have something to eat look at everybody's car so the very first one this year is at Rodan um, and that's between 4pm and 11pm on Tuesday um, so you can um, go down there and have a look around, um, have a wander, see what's what. Um, also, um, in the afternoon, um, this is back in um, Le Mans town now, the place, the Place de Jacobin. Um, there is a bit of a concourse um, competition. Hmm. So again, if you're going down to Le Mans and you're taking your um, your pride and joy with you, then maybe you want to enter it in the concourse. Maybe you can win a prize. So. Um, that's happening Tuesday, Place de Jacobin, um, between um, 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. actually. Um, so 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Um, and if you want to go down there and just take a look at all the nice cars and things, then that's great. Um, so something else to do on the Tuesday. So 
already you're if you arrived on the Monday and you've done scrutineering and you've done everything we've just talked about on Tuesday you've been a busy person mm. so and we haven't even got to the cars coming on the track yet <laughs> so there are lots plenty to do um, and um, lots to see and do um, so Sunday Monday and Tuesday so far mm. Well, on Wednesday, aside from a special midweek motorsport that'll be coming on earlier in the day, we do get cars on track, which people will be eager to see, but there's still other stuff going on, including a concert. Yeah, that's right. So we're starting the, the, the Le Mans, or the ACO always put on concerts throughout the, the Le Mans week, and the first one is on Wednesday. Um, so that's going to be Wednesday evening after eight o'clock. Now, this is going to be at the staging by the Dunlop Bridge. Okay, so that's up the top end of the circuit. Um, so um, I've you you think you say you've heard of Jabberwocky? I'm not I so sure. I, I, have. I have no idea. Maybe they're American and they're coming over from there. I have no idea. But, I couldn't tell you. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's all happening up by the Dunlop Bridge. Um, so that's on Wednesday, and there's um, obviously you've got practice and things going on um, from four o'clock on Wednesday as well. So you've got action on the circuit. You've got concerts. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's all happening then, um, and really we get down to the nitty gritty now. Wednesday onwards, so the people are arriving. Um, Wednesday onwards is the maximum you know, peak time for arrivals, so everyone's getting their camp set up. Atmospheres are starting to build up on the campsites, and you really feel that Le Mans is is in full swing now. Mm. And then comes Thursday, where we get our official pole sitter, but that's not until a little bit later in the day. What can people do before then? Okay, again, more things going on on Thursday than ever before. Um, this time, village-wise, Arnage is having its day. So um, from 9 o'clock in the morning until 6 p.m., Arnage is as a village is encouraging everybody to go down there um, to uh, have a few drinks, enjoy the atmosphere, have something to eat um, and see the cars. So it's a gathering of cars Thursday um, from nine o'clock onwards. Uh, that's all happening there. Guess what? We have another concert um, concerts um, from eight o'clock onwards. That's going to be again up by the Dunlop Bridge. Um, so those that are, um, are building up the atmosphere and things before qualifying and, and things, so then they're going to can go up there. Um, again, I've not heard of these people, but um, Cali is performing, and I'm sure Cali is either a fantastic group or an individual male or female. We don't know, but um, <laughs> probably a good guess. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, we're cutting it out. So um, they're performing on the Thursday evening up by the Dunlop Bridge. And then, of course, qualifying, you've got two sessions on Thursday. So 7 till 9, um, then a break, and then 10 till midnight. So we're going to see polls set at midnight on Thursday. Um, and if you're not tired already, there's plenty more to come. Well, on Friday, there, there's really nothing going on on Friday. You know, no, no opportunity to meet the no, drivers. No, no, nothing nothing happens on, <laughs> on, on Friday whatsoever. So this is why we say you have to be there early if if you've got a, a minimum amount of time available maybe you've got to work and things then i would recommend arriving on the thursday so that you can see qualifying get yourself set up in the afternoon see qualifying and if you want to go to the concerts and things on thursday but really you want to be in position for friday mm. now friday there's no action on the track of course so um you've got the open pit lane that's the the first thing and it's the only time that you're really as a as a member of the public going to get up close to the cars and see in the garages if you've just arrived it's a great time to get a bit of geography see the changes at the circuit that we've talked about before and get a feel of exactly where everything is and maybe work out where you're going to be viewing from mm. 
So that's that's always a good thing to do. And you are allowed on the track, so you can actually walk on the tarmac up as far as Dunlop Bridge. Um, so you can actually say you've walked on the hallowed tarmac of Le Mans. Um, so that's um, available throughout the day. There's two of the village get-togethers on Friday. Um, one is at Mulsan Village, um, and that's from 9 a.m. Um, that's a smaller event. It's growing every year. It is just a gathering of cars. Um, the bigger one, and the, perhaps the more famous one, is the Classic British Welcome. Um, that's been running for many years um, at the village of San Saturnin, which is just north of Le Mans. Um, this year, the theme for the, the Classic British Welcome is MG. So expect to see lots of MG cars and a big MG presence, but everybody is welcome. There'll be music, there'll be food and everything else. And guest of honour this year um, is um, Tom Christensen, who, who, yeah, people may have heard of him. He's <laughs> he's not a, not has been a good driver in the past, but I yeah. think he's passed it now. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's all over for him. And he, but he's going to be going up to um, guest of honour at San Saturnin. So if you want to, again, want to meet um, Tom, if you want to get autographs, he's such a nice guy yeah. and is happy to spend time. Obviously, now he's an Audi ambassador, so he's going to be um, promoting a, um, Audi and things there. But um, well worth going. So I recommend if you're at a loose end Friday morning. Um, the classic British welcome, just to give you the times, is from 9am till 4pm. So you can do that. You can still do the pit lane, free pit lane walk. You can do the the, 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 the walk on the tarmac. You can then go up to the classic British welcome and you've still got time to go from there to what we're going to talk about next, which is the driver's parade. So it's pretty packed on Friday. So driver's parade um, in Le Mans town um, from 530 uh, and we're really talking here a, a, a carnival. For those people that haven't been, um, it, it really is, um, it's a Le Mans tradition. Um, so I would perhaps get there early. Um, crowds will be lining the streets. Um, there'll be marching bands. There'll be parades of supercars. Or, um, there'll be a theme, there usually is. Um, but most importantly, all the drivers are going to be paraded around the town in open-top vintage cars. It's quite a sight. And they'll be signing autographs. They'll be throwing things into the crowd. There'll be general kind of interaction. For the drivers, it's... Um I guess it's a break you know they've done the qualifying they've done practice they've done qualifying but it's that um, the eye before the storm if you like before the 24 so it's nice for them to have some interaction with the crowds um, and it's a really great atmosphere down there all the bars will be busy the restaurants will be busy um, and Le Mans is a great town you know people should get out and about in the town um, the old quarter there the cathedral there are things to see and do in Le Mans um, that, you, that you don't get if you just stay at the circuit so I thoroughly recommend getting into Le Mans town um, top tip don't drive yes. um, traffic around Le Mans and parking in Le Mans town is awful but there's a tram there's a tram from the centre of the circuit um, that will take you into Le Mans town it's about one euro forty um, which at today's exchange rate is about a pound sterling so it's it's not worth taking the car jump on the tram go in that means you can have a few drinks enjoy yourself have a great time come back in the evening um and then it doesn't finish. So there's one more thing on Friday. So you've done you've done all, everything so far, and you're just getting um, your second wind. Then down at the karting complex. So this is the new the new development that with the Ferris wheel and everything else down um, in the karting area in the centre of the circuit. Um, there's some DJs. I think there's four different DJs going to be playing throughout the the evening. So if you want to get down and, and shake your booty and whatever down there, then absolutely Friday night down at the karting place 
a cutting complex is the place to be. And then you can go to sleep and get ready. Wake up around sleep? noon. Sleep? Oh, well, you got to sleep a little bit before the race starts. Oh, sure. Okay, I guess. For those that can't hack the pace, Shay, like yourself, yeah. then you can go to sleep. But <laughs> then those of us who are working will probably be going through the night. Um, so, yes, yeah, Saturday morning. Um, traditional barbecue, bacon, zanis, cup of coffee to get you going. Um, then before the race, you've got the support program. Mm. So um, first up this year, I believe, is actually, I don't know whether it's going to be the Aston Martin story or whether it's going to be um, the um, Le Mans Legends. Mm. So you've got two support races. Um, Aston Martin focus this year, um, which is fantastic. You're going to see some stunning cars oh, on the yeah. track, some real beauties. Um, we're going right through up until... Um, I guess we're not going to see the AMR1, are we? But let's let's move swiftly over that. Um, so you're going to see some really great cars, and um, the second um, the second support race, the Le Mans Legends, the the traditional race um, this year is featuring cars from the 1960s era. I think they're going just into 1950s. But um, so you're going to see some more fantastic machinery on the circuit, reliving a bygone era. Um, and for some people, you know that that kind of gives you a taster of what the Le Mans Classic is like every um, other year. So the, the Le Mans Classic returns in July. We'll get a little plug in there. Of course, you can come to that with Travel Destinations. So um, have a look out for that. The prices and things are already on the website. But the Le Mans Legends on um, Saturday morning, cars from the 60s. So you're going to see your GT40s. You're going to see your MGBs. You're going to see all sorts of different cars. And so it's... Um, a great site and something um, we know that Duncan Wiltshire puts a lot of effort into every year to to get those cars out on the circuit. So it's worth having a look at that. And then you've got the the real thing. Um, you know, the race starts at three o'clock, but you really want to be in position, in your viewing position, particularly around the start finish um, before then. Of course, Shay, you have pride of place in the pit lane. You see all of this. You see it from a different perspective. But for us poor souls who are, who just have a general entrance ticket, then the concrete steps in front of the stands get packed. Mm. But it's worthwhile being there. You know, you, this year you're going to have the the ear of corn um, car set up. All the teams out there for the national anthems you're going to have the flyby um everything is it's it's the one thing Le Mans does well really well is pomp and ceremony and that build up the atmosphere the crowds the teams the tannoy going um John doing the whole thing as we build up um, it's it's quite an emotional thing now that the start of Le Mans so you've got to have your your radio on tuned into Radio Le Mans um 91.2 FM for the for the start um the maybe even two hours beforehand you want to be in place and just soak it all in mm. if you've never been to Le Mans before that is the the best for me the best part of the 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 race is actually the bit before it's the build up the expectation the anticipation the everything that goes on before then is fantastic so you want to be in position for that if you've got a grandstand seat you need to be taking, you know, you, your seat is reserved, so that's not, not so much of a problem. But you still want to be there early just to take in everything and you get some fantastic views from that area. So, um, And then the race starts. And we've only just got to the start of the race. So this has been a full week of events, um, everything happening. And then even while the race is going on, there are more concerts up at the Dunlop Bridge on Saturday um, from 8 o'clock. Um, so if you 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 want a break from um, the race, and let's face it, none of us can sit there for 24 hours 
in the one place at one time for the whole duration. Except Paul Trustwell. Except Paul, of course. I forget. (laughs) He's he's unique in that, so that's fine. He never needs a break, and that's great. Um, But for the rest of us mere humans, Mm. um, if you want a break and you wander away from the track only a few hundred metres up by the Dunlop Bridge, there's more concerts going on there. Um, Charlie Winston is headlining... um, I have no idea, I confess. But um, that's fine. It doesn't really matter who they are. It's just um, go up there, enjoy the atmosphere, have a bit of fun. Um, the racing will still be going on when you get back. So um, you're going to be up all night, so why not go for some music as well? So there's your, your packed week, and all finishes on Sunday, 3 o'clock, when the race comes to an end. You see the podium, um, and there is your week. You've gone Sunday to Sunday in what is an amazing week that is Le Mans. And don't forget also the Fan Village will be open during the race and a couple of special things in there this year, including something for uh, the ladies. Of course, I know everything about this. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I am the man to talk to. So, But, uh, yes, the, there's um, a special area this year in the in the village. Um, so the village is, is the area just to the north of the paddock there where you're going to have your shops, your memorabilia, all the teams selling their race merchandise and things. But there's a special area there now for ladies. So all the ladies that go down to Le Mans, you're going to have your own reserved area. Um, and you get you might get to see Shay there. Um, Shay's going to, as promised me, she's going to pop along and see it. Because obviously I can't possibly comment on what goes on in there. I won't be allowed in. So, um, but there is for, for the ladies and you can relax. Um, there'll be um, a special exhibition really actually is more the point with take, taking the mickey out of it a bit. But there's an exhibition of um, of the input that Le, uh, the ladies have made at Le Mans throughout the, the, the years. Um, but it's also a place where um, the ladies can go and have a... Um, a relax a bit away from the madness that is um, the rest of Le Mans um, and they can relax and do uh, whatever it is that ladies do behind closed doors um, talk about the men I guess I tell you but we'd have to kill you it's a feminine secret <laughs> of course of course so uh, so that's nice it's, it's a new thing um, I'm sure it has the best intentions and I'm sure it'll be a really nice um, facility for every, for the ladies to, to, to go there um, but I'm sure there's plenty of ladies that will be out and around the track roughing it with the rest of the men as well and don't really need their nails done but uh, but but it's great. It's it's a new thing, so um, hopefully um, the ladies will support it. Full schedule this year of things going on aside from the racing. And if you can't find something to do, then I don't know what else we could recommend for you. But uh, be sure to check out all the great stuff happening in and around Le Mans this year, including stopping by maybe some of the travel destination campsites and getting some information. If you're not already there this year, find out about uh, maybe picking up a spot for next year. RadioLeMond.com It's Mobile One Radio Le Mans for 2015. 91.2 FM around the circuit and around the world at RadioLeMond.com. I'm John Hindoff. Shea Adam, one of our Nismo Pit Lane reporters, is with me, as is Graham Goodwin on the line, the editor of DailySportsCar.com. He's at the DSC headquarters. And we're looking at the LMP2 entries. We're roughly halfway through the field for 2000. And 15 and the 38 cars we've talked about the 37 SMP racing car 38 car Simon Dolan Mitch Evans and Ollie Turvey and 
Anglo New Zealand driver lineup on Dunlops with a Gibson 015S Nissan. This, of course, is the Mighty 38, their words, uh, and Jota Sport. Well, Graham, where do you start with a team like this? If you know, if you were looking back at 1923 all the way through, this is one of your archetypal privateer team efforts, and I'd mean them no. Um, detriment at all by saying that in fact I'm celebrating it winners last year in a fairy tale effort that saw them lose one of their drivers to one of the big teams because of course he was the Audi reserve driver and needed to be used drafting Ollie Turvey in who was listening on Radio Le Mans um, in the gym and got the phone call and had to come over and drive in the race they've lost uh, their one of their stars to Nissan this year. Uh, they've drafted in Mitch Evans. It hasn't been an easy start to the season for them in terms of getting a settled driver team because of a number of, of issues with finance from other drivers. But you cannot count these guys out because they just don't know how to lose. They are winners in every sense of the word. Yeah, utterly professional. Absolutely, utterly professional. Shouldn't be forgotten, by the way, the second new brand of chassis for the Le Mans 24 Hours this year in the uh, cars we've mentioned so far with the Gibson brand uh, replacing Zytec, uh, the uh, change of name to the company as a result of change of ownership, a part of the uh, the uh, old Zytec conglomerate to Continental, I think, Continental. Correct. I think have uh, bought part of that company. Uh, and, Gibson- uh, and, and a chassis that is a... Development of the chassis in the past, but is different enough to have been rehomologated for another three years. The chassis, I think, I think I'm right, and I'm prepared to be shot down here. I think goes back as far as 2002 mm-hmm. um, in various uh, regards to the old Raynard chassis, but obviously comprehensively up, up, updated uh, since then. The the major changes this year though are to aero. And uh, you know, it's a subtle but uh, telling difference. You see the car side to side, which you won't. Uh, but uh, have a look at the pictures of the car side to side. You'll see the subtle differences. But it's made a big difference in terms of how slippery this car is in particular, uh, you know, at the wide open spaces we have uh, for the Le Mans 24 hours. Mm. I have no doubt they're going to be at or around the ultimate pace. As for the drivers, well, let's start with Simon Dolan. We say, don't we, guys, uh, all the time, that the difference in LMP2 so very often is made by the quality of your non-professional driver. Correct. In this case, that is Simon Dolan. Simon, a uh, businessman, an entrepreneur, of course, uh, is a part owner of the Jota Sport team, has been with the team now for many years. And you'd go a long way to find someone more committed to the cause of keeping himself fit and skilled up to uh, throw himself you know, this is not a guy who's going to be telling the professional drivers, I'll just be doing a couple of hours. He'll be doing his full share. Well, um, they'll have to crowbar him out of the car if he gets into a groove. Beat he him with what, Yes, absolutely. 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 Uh, so, so expect to see him kind of kicking and snarling in the dog basket at the back of the, uh, the, the garage at some point because they won't let him have a go. But uh, no, Simon, absolutely uh, a very talented um, you know, non-professional driver and will be not very far away from the speed of some of these pros. Uh, beyond that, we've got the new boy, Mitch Evans. What it an has impressive impressed show. me, yes. Oh, well, you know, won the race, uh, of course, in his sports car debut with Simon Dolan and uh, Harry Tignall at, uh, at Spa. Spa. 
Um, and, and what we should say there is, let's not forget, this is an ELMS team, a U- European correct. Le Mans series team, who have gone to Spa the last few years to as part of their Le Mans preparation and have frankly embarrassed the full-season WEC LMP2 runners. So it's, it's no surprise yeah. that they've come out on top at Le Mans. A bit like motorised bear baiting is their regular uh, <laughs> trip to, to, to Spa just to kind of go... Pork you know, everybody with a stick. You know, you know, you just got settled into the rhythm of your world championship. Yeah, well, here we go. We'll, mm. we'll, we'll just shake that up a bit for you. But no, make no doubt, uh, this is a team that is going to be looking to defend their title. It's not been done for a little wee while in LMP2, uh, but they'll be looking to do it. Mitch Evans, another one of these talented guys uh, running parallel programmes with uh, with... Uh, single-seaters and sports cars and looking to make a pretty quick choice, I think, in terms of the direction his career is going to take. He's very welcome indeed in the sports car panic, uh, fitted in very nicely. Thank you uh, to the, uh, the, uh, the paddock at Spa. And then Ollie Turvey back for this race. Um, I, I again should apologise for my Turvinator nickname. It, uh, it was one of those ones in the heat at the moment. You were tired. Very sorry. I was tired. But uh, Ollie Turvey, uh, he's been part of the success story that uh, has been Joe's sport for the last couple of years with one thing's another. John, you, you summarised perfectly the, the, the bonkers year they had at Le Mans last year. And, you know, with an hour or two gone, who would have predicted what lay ahead? With two days to go, who would have predicted what lay ahead? And with a week to go, who would have predicted what lay ahead? You, you know, you really, you know what? If that happened and you made a film about it, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, they did. Except they did, and it was a it was a, a big hit. One thing I would say here, and I, I know I'm pushing at an open door with both of you two here, so I'm not going to ask you to, to respond to this. Proof, if proof were needed, given the, the age of the design of that chassis, just how cost-effective investment in LMP2 has been over the last decade or so, that you could take... A, a chassis that is of that original vintage, albeit with some very savvy upgrades and completely safety conscious and upgraded with all of the aero and the fin and all of that sort of thing, that that Gibson chassis is still the pick of the bunch. And there is, you know, a possibility that that car could win the e- ELMS, the European Series this year, and be legislated out of existence, which seems to me um, to be uh, somewhat back to front um, because that must be one of the most cost-effective investments ever made. Next on the list then is the number 40. This is the United States entry for Crone Racing. This is another Ligier uh, GSP2, one of the lovely Coupes, this time shared with a Judd engine behind it for Joao Barbosa, who sprung of prominence of course with the Royal Centre team and Martin Short back in the year down through the years and um, his talent was spotted by Martin and the uh, Deutsche Bank's ex-markets car remember those back in the day he's done a nice job consolidating his career out in the States Nick Johnson and Tracy Crone who will be record breakers if they get to the grid and start the race this year. Why? They will. 10th Le Mans for each of them, but most importantly, 10th Le Mans for both of them. This will be the 10th year that they have driven together as a team, breaking the record of, drumroll, 
Dindo and Allen. So oh, that's something that I'm sure both of those guys are going to be trying to figure out a way to get into a GT Am car next year, just to get their record back on track. Mm. Dindo and Allen will be. <laughs> um, but uh, no, they've they've driven together for such a long time. They really complement each other. Nick has been able to help Tracy to adapt to different cars. They've been in everything under the sun as long as it's been green they've driven it uh, and it's great to see them back especially with the Ligier the green machine as it is and uh, Tracy and Nick both putting in a lot of laps at the test day both feeling good with the car and comfortable with where they're at drafting in Joao that's a bit of a surprise in all honesty because they've been running so well with Oz Negri in the ELMS this year Oz has really fit into the team but they said we can go for a gold or a platinum driver. Why would we stay silver? So that's why they opted to go with Joao. He'll be very fast in the car, having been uh, now a prototype champion in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. Yeah, and you know, in Europe, we lost Joao for a wee while in Europe, but he's been, as I said, playing his trade uh, very successfully uh, out in uh, in the US uh, and and has driven for some good teams out there, both in DP uh, and in GT as well. He has. And one thing that surprised me, his best finish at Le Mans, even though he's been here, this will be his eighth time to Le Mans. His best finish was third. And it was indeed the last time he was here with level five in 2011. So he's hungry for something more. And Tracy and Nick have second place finishes. They have third place finishes, but they don't yet have that top step. That's their goal. I'm going to counter that. His best finish wasn't third. Really? It was it was third in class. Yeah. But it was fourth overall. For yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, but uh, you know, I think the, the other thing is, I, I was asked the question about, uh, but you know, he's not done much in P2. Well, actually, he's had two starts in P2 at the Le Mans 24 Hours. The first in the first year for the Radical with uh, with Martin Short's Roll Centre Racing Team, and that uh, I think uh, they missed out on a podium by a couple of positions after something of a kind of traumatic run that year. But uh, Shay's absolutely right. 2011 is last time at um, the 24 Hours, and that was in Level Five HPD, and came home with a podium. I th- actually, no, it's the Lola. It was the Lola, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It the was. Lola, not the HPD. Lola HPD that year. I, I think that this is an interesting, uh, an interesting entry, and I'll tell you why. Um, a lot of people turn their nose up at Tracy Crown. He's a man who's made a lot of money from working very hard, by the way. He is uh, based in Texas. He's made money out of oil. But he started with three-fifths of very little at all. And it, the very definition of a self-made man. We've seen from Tracy in the past, if we get good Tracy, he's very good indeed. If he is distracted or he's not comfortable... Even in a GT car, and let's not forget a few years ago when he wasn't happy with that Ferrari. But then again, he was in good company that year because the Ferrari was running so little downforce. It was a handful for some pro drivers who were happy to tell us about that at the time, although not necessarily have their names mentioned. Then if he gets downhearted, um, and I think he begins to doubt himself, which is a shame because the big man's got some talent. If he comes out and drives where he can, Graham, I think... You know, that is again, all right, is it an outright get your money down odds on favourite for victory? No, it's not. But Tracy Crone goes out there, hits his marks, gets his uh, stints done, brings the car back the way he took it out. Then they will be there or thereabouts come the end. Uh, Absolutely will. And, uh, you know, something, the performance of the car in the LMS, I think, shows that he's enjoying this probably more than latterly he's been enjoying his 
time in GT racing. You know, he's looking to get a fourth class podium at the Le Mans 24 hours. You know, there's there's an awful lot of... Well, when they finish, share yep. when they finish, and when Tracy finish, they normally finish well. But when they don't, they normally don't finish at all. That's part of the problem. Five DNFs. He's got three podiums, but five DNFs in mm. nine starts so far. Yep. His one non-podium was uh, 2013, I want to say. Mm-hmm. If he can get to the end, there's a good chance that he'll be going up the stairs and get to spray some champagne. Mm, good stuff. Uh, this is our look at LMP2 on Mobile One Radio Le Mans, 91.2 FM. I'm John Hindoff. That was Shea Adam. And Graham Goodwin is on the line from dailysportscar.com headquarters. He is the editor. Um Lots of variety in this second half of the grid numerically. That was the 40 car of Crone Racing. Now we move uh, on to the 41. This is another Gibson, another British team. Uh, and by the way, we should say Crone Racing, uh, one of the four on uh, Michelin and the last of the four uh, on Michelin tyres. Everything else from now on is on Dunlop. Gibson 015S Nissan for Gary Hirsch, uh, the Swiss driver Bjorn Verdheim. And John Lancaster. Well, everything that I said about Jota Sport, rinse and repeat for Greaves. Because Greaves, once again, Graham, and again, with absolutely no disrespect to to them, this is a very professional team, but a team that is very much in the British privateer mould at Le Mans. None the worse for that. Always, like Jota, always a fan favourite. You just feel as though they could just do a little more at Le Mans and they will feel that they would want to achieve something at Le Mans, particularly this year. I think they think they've got something special to bring to the race. This I year. agree. I should say, by the way, that this, the tradition of being very British at Le Mans does not mean for our overseas listeners that we stop at four o'clock for a cup of tea. It just <laughs> means that you'll realise why it says great before Britain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fighting Gary, talk. Gary Hirsch, little Gary Hirsch, as Sam Hignett likes to, uh, likes to describe him. Um, is indeed, uh, you know, a vertically challenged young man, but a uh, pretty quick gentleman driver, uh, very much in the vein of a Simon Dolan. Yes. Uh, Bjorn Verdheim, um, a championship-winning driver at the top leagues of um, single-seaters before moving to sports cars. He's been plying his trade for some years in Japan, principally in Super GT. He's had a few uh, runs out in LMP2 and has done pretty darn well. John Lancaster... Uh, British driver again, again a man with success in, um, you know, in top ranks of single-seater racing. Um, fair to say with... Uh, a, GP2, a, a, John Lancaster's is doing, Indeed, he? yeah. and uh, Super Formula as well. Yeah. Um, fair to say that uh, his outlook has divided opinion this year so far. The first round of the ELMS saw... Um, Possibly the most entertaining post-race press conference I have ever seen, uh, which featured the... It's uh, on the web, go and look it up. Absolutely, which featured the talents of John Lancaster, a incredibly angry Harry Tinknell, and uh, the the genius that was Tristram Gomondi. Mm. I don't think that's going to be 20 minutes that John Lancaster forgets anytime soon. Uh, but what is he? He is a gutsy, highly skilled, massively rapid, aggressive race driver. Yeah. And, you know, what we need to see here is all of the above 
perhaps with a little tone down on the last one, yep. uh, because this is not a race that rewards aggression terribly well. No, uh, He is perfectly capable of making a race-winning difference in that car, um, but you know, needs to have his race head screwed on here, as does everybody on this, uh, on this grid, to realise that that move at that time into that corner isn't as important as it probably is in a three-hour race at Imola or Silverstone. I think he's got an issue as well now because of the fact that, and this was a pass for the lead in the opening ELMS round at Silverstone we're talking about, uh, for those of you that don't know. And um, I was going to say it was a bit of a hip check. It wasn't even as subtle uh, as that, if I'm honest. But I think what he's got to realise is that people will be looking at him. And when I say people, I mean people in race control will be looking at him. So he has got to be squeaky clean. We have seen people thrown out the race at the Mon before, um, a couple in recent memory, both of which I think were incorrect decisions. But I have to say on the other side, I think John got away with one and Graves got away with one in ALMS. That's, again, I'm not criticising the team. I'm not even really criticising John. There's no asterisk next to the victory. It's theirs. I think they will consider themselves lucky and John might even on reflection consider himself lucky to keep that victory. I think the bad side of it from their point of view is they, he particularly will be under scrutiny um, by race director and race control at the Mon because that kind of robust driving, um, the low percentage lunge at Le Mans can have bigger consequences than it did in a first or second gear corner in the infield at Silverstone. Um, staying with the British entrant, because the 42 is next, and what a fantastic thing it is to be able to say the all-British team, um, Stracker Racing, with uh, the Stracker Dome S103 with a Nissan engine on Dunlop tyres, uh, Johnny Kane, Danny Watts and Nick Leventis. Well, Graham, you've followed this pretty closely, and this has been a birth of a LMP2 car that has not been without pain, and yet they've made it to Le Mans. This is another chassis that ha- probably we won't see um, after the 17 changes, sadly, although this is a chassis that is there for commercial uh, commercial reasons. They do want to try and sell some. That's probably gone out the window now. But Stracker guys, again, the plucky privateers who, I mean, everybody in this class is like that. But this is just an effort that I am delighted to see there. Question is for me, Graham, is this a, a race or a couple of races too early for those guys going to Le Mans? Well, let's wait and see. The speed in the car, it looked far closer to the pace uh, at the Le Mans test than we saw seen it in the early part of the season. There's two major, or I think three major reasons for that. One is... They've finally got some solid race running under the wheels of the car. Yeah. Two is that the wheels of the car now Dunlop's bolted to them after starting the season on Michelin's, which the team were not over-enamoured with. And three is it's got its brand new, and until the test date, unseen in public, uh, Le Mans Aero Kit. And it does make uh, an already pretty aggressive-looking car look even more ominous uh, when viewed it's from the coupe, a rear of course. mirror. Yeah. Uh, it is another coupe. Uh, it is... The number 42, uh, um, uh, um, uh, sorry, Empire Stormtroopers helmet S103, because that's what it looks like. It is a fantastic looking thing. To the, you know, it is the foil to the elegance of the Ligier, if you like. Um, and all three of those drivers know how to win here. They've won together uh, in the past. 
uh, in LMP2 with Straka. They've run in LMP1. They won in LMP2. And they're going to be looking to do that again. I think, you know, having made the decision, and they have made the decision, they've told us publicly that uh, they will not be bidding uh, for the Dome to be uh, a chassis manufacturer from 2017 onwards. They believe that they can't fulfil the uh, extremely strict criteria of the process. Yes. Um, But I think nothing would delight them more than uh, waving to the powers that be from the top step of the podium. It's just a shame because the likelihood is that we will lose them from this category altogether. They already run single-seater racing cars at a couple of other series and I think the potential is we will lose them from prototype racing. Um, the- uh, I think you're right, but I think they'll be quick here. I think they'll be quick for the remainder of the season. Uh, they're going to be getting their return from their investment uh, in the best way possible, uh, they hope, and that's with on-track success. When they won, Shea, they had a perfect run. Not only at the perfect run, they had a perfect run. Literally did nothing but put fuel and tyres on the car uh, and they dominated in a way I've not seen for many years, in, in certainly in the P2 category. They're going to need something akin to that this year. Jota had problems last year and came back. We have got some new cars there, but the cars are, generally speaking, slightly older and slightly more reliable. I don't think anybody could afford... Uh, and and particularly not these guys at at uh, at Straga. I don't think they can avoid any major. Uh, they can uh, allow themselves any major issues. They can't. But their biggest strength is the two guys whose name comes behind Nick Laventis, mm-hmm. Danny Watts and Johnny Kane, two platinum drivers, two guys who know very well what they're doing. They've been developing this car. They've been testing it. They know Le Mans. They know the car. It's a perfect storm. Nick Laventis, no one would call a gentleman driver. He, Fitness, for one thing. He's insane. Mm. Yeah, I saw him at the test, and he looked like anybody that you would see. I mean, he looked like looked Jimmy like work, Bruni. Yeah, he looked like a works driver. He, he did. Mm-hmm. He is making this his goal. So when you put that sort of dedication and that mental game into it, poof. If it's a very hot year this year, Nick's fitness as the non-pro driver will stand in them in good stead because, he, as, he, as you say, he's, in, he's insanely fit. Uh, let's move on to 43 now. This is the Team Saad Morand. Uh, Morgan LMP2, Evo Saad. Um, that's going to fill up a lot of room above their garage. Uh, the Swiss team with Zoel Amberg, who is the Swiss driver, Oli Webb for UK, and Pierre Rags uh, for France. Uh, Zoel Amberg, what do you know about Zoel, Shea? Uh, he's got a Formula background running GP2 this year, uh, Formula Renault 3.5 series in 2012 through 2014. Unfortunately, no podiums, but a couple near misses in those finishes and in, in the seasons. He's got the open wheel experience, making the transition over, and it worked at Spa, got a third place finish. So that kid has a lot of speed. This is a FIAWEC full season entry, Graham, and Ollie Webb and Pierre Rag should need no introduction to students of uh, of the type of racing we're talking about what about the what about the chassis they're on Dunlops this is Team Saad has been a, another soap opera uh, this year there's always one in fact the only change in the entry was that we lost one of the Saad entries how has that affected their preparation for Le Mans it's the only uh, <laughs> change in the entry John but it's not the only change in the background because if our, my information is correct Saad are no longer involved in this effort it remains as Team Saad Morand with the Saad badge on the Judd engine in the back 
because that's what it was entered as. Uh, but that shouldn't take away from the quality of the package. Uh, you're quite right, Pierre Rag and Ollie Webb, certainly well known uh, to uh, people who follow, uh, follow motorsport around the world. And Ollie been building up his portfolio of LMP2 experience. This is the only Evo version of the Morgan chassis. Uh, on the grid, the other car, the other uh, Morgan, uh, the Pegasus car, sticking with the the tried and tested older uh, version of the the Morgan. Um, and but, what's the difference? Uh, it's aero. Okay. It's, uh, after three years of homologation for any of these chassis, you're allowed a one time only upgrade, and the um, on road. Uh, outfit chose to do that for the Morgan in exactly the same way as we saw the Oracle Zero Three R last year um, at Le Mans. Okay. But so they've taken the opportunity to do that. That has given a bit bit of an edge. Worth saying that the car was right up there at the prologue test in terms of pace, uh, limited running, but pace, uh, and <sighs> brings back another famous name uh, to the. Le Mans grid, and that's Frank Muller watches. Uh, people who remember the McLaren F1 days mm-hmm. at, uh, the, the, at Le Mans will remember Frank Muller on the side of a number of uh, McLarens from time to time, but that uh, livery is back. A very attractive red and black uh, livery on the Morgan. Um, it has a trouble start. Uh, they need to produce some results to blow away the cobwebs of uh, cynicism around the efforts, and I hope very much that they can do it. Uh, not least for the drivers who've placed an awful lot of faith in this effort. And yes. there's nothing about that package that suggests there'll be anything other than, uh, you know, on the pace. Uh, I hope you have a good run. Uh, and it's Yves Morand, isn't it, who is the... Uh, uh, Benoit. Uh, Benoit uh, Morand, sorry, yes. Um, it's been a tough year for them and everyone around them, and it'd be nice to see them get something out of it. Uh, let's move on. We've got four left. They're all Orica Nissans, two or fives, which is the new coupe, and two or three R's, which is the updated uh, open-top car that Graham was talking about, updated uh, originally last year. Uh, and... Now, is this a new entrant to Le Mans uh, in terms of uh, the country of origin for Ibanez Racing? Because it's SMR on my list. San Marino. Mm. Uh, certainly, I'm not aware of a San Marino entrance, uh, entry before. I'm sure Janos Wimpfen will be on the phone any moment now to tell that there's that someone in a Dion Bouton or something in, in 1924 did. But uh, the reality is that Ibanez Racing are indeed first-timers at Le Mans. Not first-timers in ACO Rules Racing. They were around some years ago with a slightly elderly Courage in LMP2. Did not, at that stage, field a Le Mans entry, but they're here. Uh, they have also have one of the reserve list entries with a second uh, Orica, and both those cars are on the full season entry for the European Le Mans series. But it is a 0 3 R uh, Nissan engined Orica uh, on the Dunlops. Um, so a proven package for Jose Ibanez, the man with his name above the door, uh, for privateer driver Pierre Perrette, and even Bellarosa. Now, he's now, the interesting one because he's yep. been almost inextricably linked with the. Uh, the Wolf project, the, the Wolf chassis project, almost a factory driver for the development of a variety of chassis, prototype chassis, uh, in the last, what, two or three years? Uh, more than that. I mean, they're basically, the core business with the Wolf names, it's basically, it is the same name as the Wolf F1 cars and sports cars of old, uh, but so the brand now bought out by... 
the Avalon Formula guys, and it's uh, it is uh, owned and run by Ivan Bellarosa and his twin brother. Uh, so watch for that uh, Nismo pit lane crew. Uh, and also, when you say hello to uh, Signora uh, Bellarosa, please be advised that the twin brothers actually married twin sisters. Uh, no, which make, no, I'm afraid they did. So it is, I'm afraid, two pairs of identical twins uh, involved uh, there. But Ivan Bellarosa, amongst uh, his other triumphs, he's been, certainly been incredibly quick at the wheel of the little CN prototypes, was the winner of the Sunoco Daytona Challenge some years ago and therefore raced... DP at Daytona as a result of that. But also look closely on the front of the uh, the Orica and you will see the Wolf badge. That's because it is being raced under the Wolf brand. It isn't homologated as a Wolf. Uh, but this is an organisation that will be putting in a bid to be one of the chassis manufacturers from 2017 with their new Wolf Tornado uh LMP2 Coupe, which has got as far as wind tunnel testing of models. And they're very keen to catch the eye of the powers that be and be given the opportunity to build a new P2 Coupe. Ivan is very quick indeed. Super quick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 46 is the two-year by TDS Racing Orica 05. That means it's the Coupe. It's on Dunlops. Uh, it's Tristan Gomenti, who we mentioned earlier on. Um, every time he... Uh, and John Lancaster in the cars together. We'll be keeping an eye uh, on that. Ludo Baddy, who is a very fine historic racer and has transitioned across to contemporary racing as well. And Pierre Thirier. Now, Shea, this team has got a good record. It's another championship-winning team. And they were second at Le Mans last year. So they are one to watch in terms of a team that could come through and take it. You've got championship-winning drivers in the cars. You've got guys who've already won this year. They won at Imola. They know how to get it done. And, oh, by the way, they're French. So, of course, they're going to be the home track favorites. Mm. If you come in second, yes, that's great for one year, where you need to improve upon what you've done before. And you look at, I, I completely agree with Graham on that one. Tristan Gomeny, anytime he's in the car in Lancaster, is anywhere on the track. I'm going to be waiting for a little bit of karma to kick in and <laughs> in the form of aggressive driving. So mm. it will be fun to see. That's the 46 car. Keep an eye open for that. 47 is the Hong Kong entered KCMG. Uh, the Orica 05 Nissan, another one of the pretty coupes. Uh, Nicolas Lapierre, former uh, Toyota works pilot, back at Le Mans with Richard Bradley and Matt Housen. And this is, I think, this is a match made in heaven, Grim, if I'm honest. It's uh, Paul Lee, isn't it, who has put uh, this together, the KCMG. Ip, Paul, uh, Ip. Paul, Paul Ip, excuse me, who's put You're this. You're mixing up Sam Lee and Paul Ip. I am indeed, yes. <laughs> uh, Paul Ip, who's put this together. Uh, Paul, uh, sometime uh, Porsche racer, and allegedly doing some more of that this year. Smashing guy. Massive enthusiast for this form of racing. The Oracle 05 Nissan is a good choice. Uh, Matt Housen and Richard Bradley, we've seen these guys paired together. Um, we've seen a number of, of other driver pairings this season. Remember, there's already been a couple of FIAWEC and ELMS races, which is where these guys um, have come from, the FIAWEC, uh, I should say. And Nico Lapierre has fitted into that team like the little finger into a glove. I mean, it is a perfect fit here. Great to see Nicola smiling, back. and smiling was the next thing mm. I was going to say, John. Uh, great to have him back. Uh, he had an unhappy time at the uh, end of last year after 
the falling out rather I'm afraid with Toyota um, uh, Nicola had the, the blame for a couple of things laid at his feet and whether fair or not it meant the end of his immediate driving career with the Toyota factory team uh, we'll wait and see I think uh, you're right the, the, the Orica 05 looks a very handy piece of kit indeed this is the same chassis as the Rebellion R1 let's not forget uh, it was the quickest thing in a straight line through the speed traps in the um, in the P2 class, which is a mighty valuable thing to have uh, at Le Mans. Uh, we just need to see whether or not this, as a new car for this year, proves to be reliable. It tends to take a little while for uh, P2 cars to have reliability built into them. And uh, let's wait and see for both the Tyria by TDS guys, who, by the way, I think are on their fourth different chassis within... A year? Am I right with well, that? They're, do, they're uh, doing the parallel. They're doing the parallel program to extreme speed motorsports, aren't they? They have. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they've, they've for been for different through, reasons. Yeah, they've been been through open top and closed top iterations of both on Roke and Orica's products within just over a year. Yeah, and I, I think that's difficult. I really do uh, for the Tyria. Kiss EMG, I think they're more than a good outside bet. And Nicola Lapierre has got a point to prove to everyone around him. And by the way, if you're a Toyota driver coming up on the 47 car, do not expect any help in getting by. <laughs> uh, finally, but by no means least in the 19 entries, it's another 03R Nissan. That's the open top car. Uh, the uh, 03R uh, noting the... Uh, change in the arrow from uh, uh, that was put into position last year. Murphy prototypes and Greg Murphy, another one of the great privateers, building a real reputation as that uh, at Le Mans. Uh, he's got uh, Natalia Bert, Natalia Berton, single-seater driver of some repute and uh, someone who's been marked out to have a very good future. Mark Patterson share is an Western the American flag. He's done everything, though, hasn't he? He's really been pretty much everywhere. He has. I mean, his first full season of racing was only in 2009, and since then, he has taken off. If you see an open door, look for Mark Patterson, because he might just be inside that car at the time. If, if it was left open and the seat was empty, he might be sitting in it. Mark, a very happy guy, South African by nature. He loves racing. He has such a passion for it. And quite frankly, his bronze rating doesn't do him service. No, I, I'd agree. And he takes his racing very seriously, as does the, I guess, team leader, Graham, in that group. And we welcome back to Le Mans, Karun Chandok, the Indian former uh, Formula One driver. And Karun is a man who... Uh, he's driving Formula E at the moment. He's publicly said that that has helped his driving. It smoothed him out. Um, he is a man who is very thoughtful. He is a war. Well, basically, you or I, if we want any time off, and Karen comes to the booth, you and I can step away and just let oh, for him a good field, half hour. Yeah, absolutely. Let him field questions from the listeners on. Formula One, on Le Mans, on any form of motorsport. And I think this is a great place for him to land this year with Greg Murphy, who I respect Greg and what he's done over the last few years immensely. It really is. It really is Casey and the Sunshine Band, isn't it, this lot? I mean, it's, it's, uh, he, was, he was excellent <laughs> on Radio Le Mans. He was, he was excellent on Radio Le Mans at the test day. The car was fastest at the test day mm. in uh, in in P2, fastest over the full lap as opposed to fast in a straight line by the Orica 05. And this is a team that deserves a bit of luck, actually. They've had a number of occasions when they've been running right up 
in the Le Mans 24 hours and something has gone pop or bang or grind or whatever. Uh, but uh, it would be great to see this team up on that podium. The you know It, it would be a party to end all parties uh, back at the Murphy Prototypes garage should that happen. Um, big fan favourites. Uh, absolutely know uh, what it's all about in terms of the enthusiasm that lies behind sports car racing in general and the Le Mans 24 hours in particular. And you know, carrying yet another na- national flag with the Irish flag flying proud with Murphy's men. Uh, a, a direct split, lady and gentlemen, between ELMS with nine entries, uh, WEC with nine entries, plus the uh, Chris Cumming, Lauren Vanter and Kevin Estre entry, which isn't uh, in one of those two championship, the 34 car. Who wins it? Sheer. I have been dreading this for about the last thirty minutes. I, I think this is the tough. I think this is the toughest one to call. There are ten cars that I could easily pick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the twenty six, the okay. G Drive Racing, because Top of the list. because the Ligier has had a year now. Uh, the Nissan engine behind it is yeah. uh, it's unfathomable that that engine just you, th- you think about it and smoke comes out of your ears. Rusinov is a very short pair of hands. Julian Canal, it's about time he got his fourth win. The mm. guy was born in Le Mans. Sam Bird's been having a great year. I, I, I don't know. And Sam Bird has a score to settle with the circuit as well because uh, he, I think, didn't do himself any favours in the rain in the Ferrari, did he? Uh, um, when that uh, accident occurred, what a, a season I saw ago. Graham, who wins it? Well, uh, I'm going to do my traditional thing and run down a couple of runners and riders here. There's the other, there's the other G-Drive car, which I think looks very tasty indeed. I think that's a uh, massive, massive sleeper. I think yeah, a lot of people I, will not look at that car. I, I agree with Shay that the 26 car's got to be right up there with the favourites. Extreme speed, I think, need more time with their leashes. Uh Having said that, I'm going to just con- completely contradict myself and say that if the 34 car gets a clean run, they could be... Massively in contention. Do not overlook... 34 the, car, did you say? The, the York Racing 34 car. car. Yep. Do not overlook the perhaps unfashionable here, uh, Cinetech Alpine, because I think they are going to be Great. strong. Both the Gibsons, but for me, the Jota package has the better look about a Le Mans run there. Um, <sighs> Thierry by TDS and KCMG, I, I think the Orica may be just a little new yet. Uh, there might just be the odd niggle to work out. Murphy, I've just talk, talked about as well. I'm going to go with one from the heart for a lot of reasons and say, get a clean run. I'd love to see that dome win it. Yes, it's a possibility. Um, I think Jota Sport can defend their championship. I know it's hard. They'll need a clean... I don't think anybody can afford the kind of problems that Jota had last year and win no, it. Agreed. It would be an exceptional uh, thing to do that twice. I think we're going back to the last time Stracker won it and that was a totally clean run. And whoever gets the cleanest run out of, you know, that 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, however many we think could win it, that is your winner. Um, Graves on the podium for me this year. Uh, and I think pers- possibly Murphy on the podium uh, as well. Don't know why, just have a feeling. Um, and I'd like to see SMP do well with the with the new BR01. I think it's a bit early for that car, but um, it might be that they just get a, a little bit of luck. Um, but stick a pin in that one. Uh, that's your LMP2 field, 19 entries, all of which have a half-decent chance of getting on the podium and more than half 
uh, could win it. My thanks to Graham Goodwin, the editor of DailySportsGround.com, and Shea Adam, one of our Nismo Pit Lane reporters. I'm John Hindoff. If you've been listening to us, you've been listening to Mobile One, Radio Le Mans, 91.2 FM, and around the world at RadioLeMans.com. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.